Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. Happy New Year as we are now in to the 2021 after a tumultuous 2020 for everybody around the world. We're hoping that 2021 brings bigger and better things, not only for the world, but especially for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and joining me as always is Connor. Connor, Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year, LJ, and I hope uh, you and yours are all well. And I'm I'm excited for the new year. I'm excited for some new things and and hopefully a better year than it was last year. Although I can't complain for for me. I know I was gonna say baby you, and stuff. I had, baby, I had a pretty good house, year. You had you had a really good year. Yeah, I can't complain too much. It was a pretty <laughs> good year for me, but for others, I want to see be be better for everybody. So I agree. Before we get started, uh, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHorel54. And please rate and review us wherever you're listening to us right now. Philadelphia Eagles officially eliminated from the playoff contention after playing in the worst division in the history of the NFL. One stat that I saw that was mind-boggling to me. The 2020 season is going to go down as the most, as the highest scoring season of all time in the NFL. How many games have the Philadelphia Eagles scored 30 points this year, Connor? Zero. That is pathetic. That's coaching. This team needs a change on the offensive side of the ball. Last week against the Dallas Cowboys, the Eagles jumped out to a 14-3 lead. And after the 81-yard touchdown pass to Deshaun, nothing. Everything that Jalen Hurts did. And Jalen Hurts, I I don't want to say really bad. Like, he wasn't terrible, but he turned the ball over a lot. Everything that the Eagles did it from this what midway through the second quarter on, um, it looked exactly like what Carson Wentz was playing quarterback. I don't, I, and I'm still of the belief that the quarterback was not the issue for this football team. It is coaching. Their offensive philosophy is terrible. Doug Peterson needs to hire an offensive coordinator and give up play calling. I know this week he said that he. He wants to get rid of all the voices in the room. He wants to be the voice, the lo- pretty much. Uh, it's, I'm not saying I'm not quoting him verbatim, but kind of comes down to he wants to be the voice in the room. That's got to change. He needs to stop with the play calling. He's he's very vanilla, and he's very predictable. And we saw it. We we saw it last week against a crappy Dallas defense. You score 17 points. You do nothing. I know Deshaun had had a foot problem and kind of was in and out of the game, but you do nothing to get the ball down the field after that 81-yard touchdown. There's something needs to change, and I don't like overturning the coaching staff year after year after year, but they have a problem on the offensive side of the ball, and obviously we know there's a problem on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if Jim Schwartz is going to be back. Maybe last week sealed his fate that he won't be back, and the Eagles are going to go in a different direction. But something needs to change. It was a pathetic performance. You don't, you, you, and it wasn't just last week. It's been this entire year. How you have not been able to score 30 points in an, in a league that is created for the offense is beyond me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think I, I posted the, the stat there about their last 30 point season was like, Oh, I can't even remember the year or the last time they didn't score 30 points in in a season. I can't even remember what the year was, but I think it was like 
15 years ago or something was the last time they had a season where they didn't score 30 points in at least one game. Um, so it, it definitely was, especially when you're facing a team who's given up. I think they went into that game giving up 30 and a half points and you score 17 mm-hmm. and you turn the ball, you get picked off twice. Granted, one of them was just a garbage time. Jalen Hurts bad decision pick. But I think this game definitely showed like Jalen Hurts is good, but Jalen Hurts is not the answer. I don't think he's the answer. If you, Yes, you can go out there and you can do what you did against New Orleans. You can go and do what you did against Arizona. You can go and do those things and you can make yourself look really good. But at the end of the day, this game made it show that there is a competition to be had. But I think that they're going to give every opportunity for Carson Wentz to earn that job back and to get that job back next season. And I still stand by that. You've two years of this contract that there's a lot of dollars at stake. Um, And then after that, you can probably get rid of him for a lot less. But I think that the offer would have to be super, super enticing from a team like um, Indianapolis, a team like New England. Some of those teams that are willing to take the risk and the option with Carson Wentz because they either like the contract or think that there's a possibility that that they can make things work with him, um, then they it would have to be a really enticing offer for me. And I'm not talking like what some people are saying, like the pick the third round pick for him. No, like you got to be getting like a second or a first, or you got to be getting some. You won't get a first. But it definitely showed last week the quarterback was not the issue. And there's other things at at play. For me, and I've been a heavy defender of Jim Schwartz for a while, I found the only bad, bad decision last week was the Michael Jaquette decision and not deciding to move him off of Gallup a lot earlier. Mm -hmm. Because I do truly believe that probably two of those Cowboys scores come off the board if Jaquette gets moved a lot sooner and and he makes and Jim Schwartz as a defensive coordinator makes the proper read on the situation that's going on. And that was that Michael Jaquette, you like him, you think he can be developed, you have confidence in him, good. And I respect that opinion, but he was not doing it last night or he was not doing it on Sunday night. And Jalen Mills was able to step up and do it. Nicole Roby Coleman did pretty well. Darius Slay had the right side, left side of the field on lock. Wherever he was, he had that side of the field on lockdown. Michael Jaquette was a complete liability. And I think the outcome of the game is extremely, extremely different. Because if you move him a lot sooner, there's a lot of big plays that led to touchdowns or put them in the position to score that would likely be wiped off or never have happened. And the one thing that I, I think I mentioned when we were last on was that Doug Peterson needed to learn how to make adjustments. And again, Schwartz has to do the same thing. And before I continue, you, you put that tweet out uh, about a week ago that the last time the Eagles had a season without 30 plus points, 1998. That's that. It's just mind boggling. Because we've had some bad teams. Like you have oh, to yeah. remember this. 98 is, was, I this think, is Ray Rose. This think is not nine, the worst team. I think 98 was Ray Rose last year's head coach right before they hired Andy. So, it really doesn't surprise and me. And then I saw another crazy tweet the other day that said uh, Chip Kelly got fired after one losing season. And I get there was like tumultuous stuff going on behind the scenes with Chip yeah. Kelly. Doug Peterson now owns two losing seasons as a head coach. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, the other thing is Chip had personnel control when when he was here. And Doug has it, – it really seems like Jim Schwartz has more control over personnel 
than Doug does. And it, it's it's crazy. Like, Doug's the head coach, and he it's, it's like he has no say. And, look, if I don't mind Doug Peterson being here and staying here and being the head coach, but I don't want – I want him to oversee the entire team. I don't want him to, to solely focus in on the offense. It, it It's not working right now. So he, he really needs to – to, to bring in somebody, and it needs to be a, a an innovative type of offensive coordinator. I don't want Marty Morningwig or Rick Rick Scangarella, you know, for them to to get the the offensive coordinator position in the press tent. Like, no, I want a, a I know it won't be him, but I want a Joe Brady type. I want somebody who's young, somebody who 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 like really who who made a name for themselves in the college game. Like, I'm not expecting Lincoln Riley to go from head coach of. Oklahoma to be in the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. It won't happen. But like that's the type of mind that they need on offense. Absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I'd love to have Joe Brady, but you need to find the next Eric B. Enemy. You need to find the next I know that his head coaching career hasn't been stellar, but the next Sean McVay. You gotta find that that next creative mind that people will praise. And he just needs to be because we've said it before this season uh, about Doug Peterson uh, that he's a culture builder. People buy his system. People buy his culture. They buy the next man up mentality like this team. You you can't knock the resilience of this team. When someone went down, the next man stepped up and it may not have been pretty at times, but the next man stepped up and and. That is all about the system. That's all about Doug Peterson. That's all about the culture that you build. So I love the culture that he has. But if you have a good defensive coordinator coordinator that you can trust, which I believe it's Jim Schwartz, and if you have a really good innovative offensive mind that you can trust, whoever that may be, and then you just head coach and oversee the entire operations of the defense and the offense, more probably focused on the offense, but then you just oversee the culture and make, keeping the keeping the players happy and and running practices, I think that, that that is what Doug Peterson is, and that's what Doug Peterson needs to do. But there's so many head coaches who feel like if they're not calling plays on one side of the ball, that, you know, they're not a head coach. It's I feel like it's an ego thing. If they're not I don't know, on, Belichick like, look, seems to be look fine at like it. But Bill Belichick, Tomlin look at the system. Look at the system those guys have built. Tomlin and Belichick are Hall of Fame head coaches. They are going to the Hall of Fame. They are famous around the league. They forever will be. They go. They will go down in history. But Doug Peterson likely will not. Ron Rivera, Andy Andy Reid's a good Rivera example too. Ron Rivera is fine with it. But look at all these. He's people. not a Hall of Fame coach. But all these people. Joe Judge seems to be fine with it. He's the first year coach. He's not. He's not calling the offense. Now Joe Joe Judge Joe Judge is about the only one that actually surprises me because it feels like the the new generation of coaches, these young coaches, or these new coaches coming up from an offensive coordinator want to have that job. By Harbaugh is the same thing. See the guys who've been in the league long enough to know. Okay, I'm not meant to do this anymore. This league is innovating. This league is changing. I need to give up these play calls because I'm not innovating at the same pace that these guys are. These guys have the mind to innovate. Doug Peterson's not at that point yet. He hasn't. He doesn't hasn't accepted that he can't innovate with the direction that the league is going right now. He thinks his offense can still be run through him, called through him, and that he doesn't have to innovate. That he is innovating, but his own style. Yeah, well, he's wrong. And then 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. He he needs to figure it out. So let's talk. There was a lot of bad in last week's game. The one that I want to talk about, obviously players like Matt Pryor is terrible, should never, ever, ever. He should not be on this team next year. But the penalties. The Eagles had so many false starts. And I was thinking it's the first time they've played in front of 30-plus thousand this year. You know what that's on? That's on coaching. Doug Peterson did not have the team prepared to play. There were enough. They, they, it, it makes no sense. And, like, look, I get that Jalen Hurts is different from Carson Wentz and maybe the, his, the way he calls out his cadence and everything. But they've played together. He's been the quarterback for two and a half games. So they, they should have been, been used to it. So it's mind-boggling that Doug Peterson did not have this team prepared to play. So many false start penalties you, that cannot happen. And this is another reason why, look, I don't know if Doug is trying to get fired or Doug has lost this team. But, again, another reason why something needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, overall, they took 12 penalties for 115 yards. And, like, one of the big ones that stood out to me was uh, it had to have been Michael Jaquay who had, who drew that massive uh, defensive pass interference play that put the Dallas Cowboys in the red zone at one point that led to a touchdown. Those types of plays may never happen. They may never get that touchdown if it isn't for the fact that you give up like it was what, like 25, 30 something yards on that to pass interference play. Like there was there was so many. Play- and then, like you said, like I know false starts only five yards, but it's Five for a team that is having a hard time producing and a hard time a hard time getting five yards in the first place in the right direction. Five yards is massive, and when it mm-hmm. happened multiple times on drives, you got to think of it more as we lost 15 yards that drive. The uh, the Jalen hurts, and the offense had to figure out. Um, but yeah, the penalties are a big one, and yeah, like you said, that's on Doug Peterson. You have to come into any situation to be pre- be prepared for any situation even if there's fans in there that doesn't matter there's some teams who practice with noise being piped in at all times because that's how they're going to prepare for the time when they have fans whether it's 5000 10000 30000 fans that is how they're going to prepare uh week in and week out just in case there are fans and just in case that they have to be prepared for that and and i just don't feel like doug peterson had his team prepared especially thirty thousand. First of all is a ridiculous number of fans to have in in a stadium right now when most other teams aren't even going over 15 but it's texas they don't care and the south so in the south like they they still think covid's a, a a hoax in the south in texas in florida like they don't take it seriously, and this is why we're um, as and, and not to go off on a tangent, but this is why America as as a whole are like we're not going to get out of these restrictions that we're in because nobody's taking it seriously. It doesn't matter if if the COVID um, vaccine is around. A, it's not being distributed enough, and B, nobody's taking it seriously, and we're going to just be stuck in this position for a while. But that's a different story for a different day. But yeah, but I mean, when we, I guess that was something you have to look at is like a positive and, and for me, a positive and, and I'm shocked that he was not used more, um, was Quez Watkins for me. I, I put that tweet out uh, a few days ago about Quez Watkins. He, he had, uh, I think he was targeted one time all season up until Jalen Hurts became the quarterback. Jalen Hurts became the quarterback. He's been targeted. He's also hurt a lot too. So. He was, but then he was, but when he was there, he wasn't used either. 
But when he, when he was there now, he was started like seven well, times for four receptions for 100 yards. I also and, think that's on Doug because why is Travis Fogel not being put on the field? Like he was the best receiver for the first half of the year. And now the last, what, six, seven games, he barely touched the field. Completely. I think that's, a lot of that's on Doug. But that's a, I mean, that's a, it's annoying to see. And Doug has to realize like the, in the, the future of your offense is, Quez Watkins, Travis Fulgham, Jalen Reger, not Deshaun Jackson and uh, Alshon Jeffrey and what anybody else. And like, I know that Alshon Jeffrey started to see a damn tick in his usage, but the it didn't come like with Travis Fulgham seeing more. It just came from other options, seeing more time on the field. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, there's been a lot of things that really shine through in these last couple weeks. And like when you're looking at a a negative $50 million salary cap situation like we're staring at right now, I mean, the big move would be if you could move Carson Wentz, well, then you're automatically saving yourself a very large chunk of money if someone's willing to take 100% of the cap hit for you. and Which they won't. Which they won't. Um but then you, another thing they that shine and rear through is like there's a lot of heavy contracts that are likely being cut. We may we are we are likely going to see uh, quite the transition this off season away from some fan favorites. And I hope. Listen, I love like Zach Ertz and I I love Derek Barnett and I love like I love. There's a lot of guys out there that I really like and I would like to see stay. But we have to wipe the slate clean. We can't think of our fandom and who our favorites are. We have to think what would be best for the team. Zach Ertz is looking for a new contract. He's owed $12 million next year, I think. So you're Zach Ertz. He's owed $12 million. He's up for a new contract. He's trying to take advantage of a hot tight end market. Mm -hmm. Hats off to Howie for not allowing him to take advantage because it would have been a massive disappointment this year. And who knows what the next few years hold for him. Um, but Zach Ertz is someone who you probably see going because we talk about the negative 50 million next year, but the year after we only have like $10 million in cap free right now. So you have to think beyond this year, like it's like a three or four years of work. To I be heard done. something different. I heard 2022, like from what I heard, and this is from like the, I'm going to look into it, but I heard that in 2022, we actually have like, a, a, a large number because people are saying like let let Hertz have it you'll you'll have it down here in 2021 and then in 2022 when you have 50 plus million dollars in cap that um that's when you can you could get the team back on track I don't know I'm about to check I that. do see yeah I do see 50 million now it must be some uh but I mean at the end of the day yeah you have 50 million dollars but but that's like you're playing off if you're playing off of Jalen Hurts, you're playing off of the rookie contract, which is a smart idea. And that's the only reason that makes me think, man, would it ever be nice to, to you know, to move on from Carson Wentz to ride that rookie contract. Again, the same rookie contract of Carson Wentz that we rode to the Super Bowl that year. Um, but you do have to remember, like, people sit there and they say, oh, well, we have $50 million in cap. Yeah, but you have to 51, 50, the top 51 it takes, we have 30 players under contract. So you have to remember... Look at all the pieces you have to replace. And in that year, Alshon Jeffrey's still under contract. Deshaun Jackson's still under contract. Jason Kelsey's still under contract. 
there's a lot of guys who are still under contract who we probably don't expect to be there. So you sit there and people are like, well, you have $50 million. You also have about 23 roster spots to fill. I think they'll have more because I think that like, so the salary cap's not going to go up next year, but in 2022, I assume it will be because they'll have, well, they yeah, have, they have the new TV contract. They'll have the so. new TV contract. There'll be 17 games, which is going to happen next year. So I, I do think like they're going to have the money and, and yeah, well, they, a lot of the, not a lot, but like they'll be able to draft. You would think that they'll probably have to bring in about 20 or so free agents. Uh, probably a handful will be big time. And then, after that, they'll be more on the second second tier. But, yeah, they, they do have to, to, to figure it out. They, they just have to figure out what they want to do with the quarterback position, and that's what it comes down to. If you can figure out what you're going to do with the quarterback, if you, can, if you can fix Wentz, I think that's what you – obviously that's what you want because you're paying him a, a crap ton of money, and you can let Jalen Hurts kind of back him up. Or if, if the sample size that they got this year and – the sample size you'll get in the preseason if a team has a quarterback issue and maybe they want to poach Jalen Hurts from you, you can get something from from um, get something from another team for him. Uh, I don't know if I would do that. I, again, I am a Jalen Hurts fan. I just think that Carson Wentz is the better option for the Philadelphia Eagles at, at quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, we talk about, oh, we, we, we're play, paying him a crap load of money and whatever. Yeah, it is a lot of money, but when you put it beside other quarterbacks who have contracts right now it's actually not a bad contract from a quarterback well, standpoint it's not but, but you gotta you fix him his, his play like yeah his for, play for, doesn't he's match playing his money. as the worst quarterback in the nfl right now that's mm-hmm. not a quarterback that should be making 35 million dollars a year yeah no that that's the issue the play has to change like like we've been like we've said over the last few weeks it's probably not like people bought into the hype of Jalen Hurts over the last couple of weeks and I'll admit I did too and I said we have a quarterback controversy but at the end of the day whenever I talk about a quarterback controversy I always state Wentz is the better uh, Wentz should be the option going forward and Wentz will be given every opportunity to get that job back next year I don't think that they're going to go into the preseason and say, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts is that franchise quarterback. He's going to be starting going forward. No, you will not hear who the starter will be until the week of week one of next season. And I can almost guarantee it's going to be Carson Wentz. And and unless like we get the, I don't know if we're going to have three or four preseason games, if one of the one of them is outshining the other and you can see it on the football field. So it definitely will. It will, we will have a true, legit quarterback battle, I believe this upcoming um, um, training camp. And and this will be the first time in a long time that we actually have, have a quarterback battle. I, I mean, if you think about it, the last quarterback battle was probably Cobb and Vic or Vic and or Vic and Foles probably with, with chip. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely going to, going to be interesting. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about from the game last week first is those refs were terrible. How that fumble by Jalen, they called that fumble and and held upheld that fumble by Jalen Hurts. In what world do two knees and holding control of the ball equal fumble? It makes zero sense. Uh, Mike Pereira and Dean Landino, who um, are the, the 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 refs, like the refs in the booth for Fox, um, yeah, they they were perplexed also, and it makes zero sense that and that could have been a big key because the Eagles were driving that on that on that. When that happened, and then I believe Dallas scored after that. So like that, that is also another play that turns momentum in the game. Was was did Dallas play better? Yeah, Dallas played better, but it didn't help that a 
Schwartz made no adjustments until too late. Injury Cox getting hurt. It, it made zero sense that the the defensive line, especially the, the Hargraves and Jackson, who are getting paid a lot of money, could not get pressure on Andy Dalton. Um, Jalen Smith taking a cheap shot at Jordan Maialata after Jordan, Jordan Maialata, who didn't have a great game while he was playing, but when when they ran behind him, he was putting Jalen Smith on his ass. So what does Jalen Smith do when Maialata does a pull? He 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 sends or he hits him helmet to helmet on a play, and, and Jordan Maialata gets concussed. Is going to be out this week. Like there were a lot of things that. If they didn't happen, you, you could change. Maybe the outcome is di- maybe the outcome is different. But the Eagles have no Eagles have no excuses. They should blame themselves. They jumped out to a 14-3 lead against a de- one of the worst defenses in NFL history and did nothing. It was a it was it reminded me of Week One when the Eagles jumped out to a 17 nothing lead against Washington and then just disappeared. And that's kind of how the se- it was a microcosm of the season. The game on Sunday against Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it it just if that did not scream 2020 Eagles that game to everyone watching, I, I don't know what else is going to to scream it. Um, and now I mean, now we can move on, and we we don't have to talk about the 2020 season except for the what 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 this what happened that's going to create the ramifications of the decisions that we're about to see. Um, because there's no point in looking back at some of that stuff. Like the the biggest thing you look back on is the Wentz and the Hurts debate. You look back on the defensive side of the football. What do we need to do? Obviously, we don't have the answer on the other side of of Darius Slay. And I think that it also proved that you can have a lockdown corner, but you need a viable second option. Mm-hmm. Don't no matter what, you need someone who can play in some form or another. Play on the other side to really help and to really maximize what we brought Darius Slay in to do. If you were Darius Slay who can lock down guys for what was it like a total of less than 10 yards last, uh, last week, but then on the other side of the football, they are getting torched for nearly 200 yards. Whoever's put over there. Like we need to get, you need to get to a point where you have him locking them down for 50 yards or less. And the other side of the ball being locked down for a hundred yards or less. And then you have your answer. But Avante Maddox was not the answer. Nickel Roby no. Coleman is not the answer. Craven no. LeBlanc is not the answer. Nope. And Michael Jaquette <clears throat> is a very viable backup option. And with a ton of development, might get there in a couple years. But he is not the answer for right now or for the future. And currently, if we lose this game, which with the nine inactives we may put yesterday, there's a damn good chance it looks like we're trying for a top five pick. There are some very strong cornerback options um for the people mocking micah parsons to the eagles come on now we have this discussion every year there's patrick sertan there's caleb farley um even if you wait a bit there's some decent options at the top of the second i want an alabama can't wait i want an alabama guy with our first pick Devontae smith Jalen waddle um or or patrick sertan that's what i want and if howie is it picks a pac-12 guy I mean, I, I get it. Swell is good, but like, if he picks a Pac-12 guy out at a skill position, I'm going. I'm literally going to go down to the Novacare complex and do something I shouldn't do. First of all, Swell will not be there where we draft because well, what if, if he gets anywhere's beyond the. Well, okay, we if have a shot three. at three. We have a shot if at we're, three. If we're three, but let's be serious. The if the Bengals are ahead of us, if they do not take Swell. They are completely out of their mind. 
<laughs> they need they need to protect Joe Burrow like like we talked about Carson Wentz and he needed protection. Joe Burrow literally had his knee torn into a million pieces and like just ravaged on that play. And so he needs help. They need Sewell or the Jets could take him. We we're talking about a pre-show. But mm-hmm. I mean, we'll have lots of off-season shows where we'll probably dig into some other teams because it'll be really interesting to see. I think the landscape of the NFL is is going to change. We we already started to see a bit of a changing of the guard in the AFC East. The yeah. New England Bills. Patriots are no longer king, but they do have Bills nearly. But they have over seventy million in cap space next year, so we could see the rebirthing of of the Patriots in some form or another. But I mean, like at the end of the day. You see Washington emerging. You see the Bills. You see the Dolphins. The salary cap and the draft pick capital of teams like the Jaguars and Jets become make things super enticing for what their future looks like. Um, so it, I think it's going to start to get really interesting. And I the, think some, when it comes to the when it comes to the Dolphins, they they can make the playoffs and still get a top five pick because they have Houston's. That's that's crazy. Like, and they have two firsts and two seconds this yeah, they year. Have a, like, and, and, and next year, I'm pretty sure they have two firsts. So, like, they have a chance to build around. To, to, now, I, I'm a Tua fan. Tua hasn't looked as good as I thought he would um, coming out yet. Obviously, it's still early on. Like, he doesn't look like Herbert or, or Burrow. But, like, you have a chance to put weapons around him. You know, you go out and you get a, a Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith. Um, you build that offensive line. You build that defense. The Dolphins have a chance to be good for a long time. Yeah, I think that the Dolphins are well ahead of their rebuild. And I know that they caught a lot of flack for what they did in spending. They were People were like, oh, they overspent. They overspent on some of these guys. That made no sense. What? Why Byron Jones at that price? They had the money. When you have oh, like $100 million in cap, you spend that cap and you get there because you know the teams like that who had like $100 million in cap and they currently have about uh, – it looks like they're going to end up sitting at about 20, some, something like 30, 40 million dollars next year. But then the next year when the cap goes up because of the new TV contract, guess what? The Dolphins have a new plethora of new dollars coming in to play mm-hmm. and all these draft picks. Uh, so it must be nice to be in that position. I wish we had draft cap or um, we had big, th- cap big thing, <laughs> big thing. So they address their, their, their quarterback position, which is good on them. But then what did they do? best player available they never overthought their draft picks they always want what they felt was the best player available but they didn't go like you know when when jj ortega white side came up they didn't we sat there and we were like oh we could really get a steal here but really he was graded out as being a round two rounds three rounds further down the board by most people they might have grabbed a guy who was a couple picks away like you know they didn't reach like we seem to reach yeah, and we always seem to reach, and again, that's why, and I know we're going to get into to this in the offseason, especially as we get towards the draft, best player available. You have too many needs, too many holes for you to second guess and, and try to, to outsmart other people. All right, so let's move to this week's game, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington football team. Um, you mentioned the injury report. Here we go. Derek Barnett out with a calf injury. Sean Bradley out with a neck injury. Fletcher Cox out with a neck injury. Dallas Goddard out with a calf injury. Deshaun Jackson out with an ankle injury. Jordan Maialata out with a concussion. Duke Riley out with bicep injury. Richard Rodgers out with an ankle injury. Miles Sanders out with a knee injury. Michael Jaquette is questionable with a calf. I mean, they don't have the same rec- they don't have the same receivers in oh, with Washington as Dallas does. So you know, maybe he can have a bounce back game if, if he were to play. 
congratulations, Washington, on winning the NFC least. Because honestly, I much rather we and I think we talked about this before. I much rather Washington win the division than Dallas or, or the Giants. So like a lot of I heard I saw people saying, Oh, this is a shot at uh, this is disrespect towards New York and, and uh, Dallas because, you know, they're not going to have a shot. That, a, we don't want we, – we're not going to do anything ever to help Dallas, at least I hope not. And B, I just want this season to end. How the NFL – again, here's another one, another thing that really is, is, is annoying me. The NFL will not allow the Eagles season to end gracefully. They are dragging this thing on. Why are we Sunday night football? I get why we are. Logistics makes it possible because – the outcome of this game is going to determine the winner of the NFC East. So you play it later and, and maybe like it'll be played fully. Obviously looking at the Eagles injury report. Yeah, that's not happening. The Eagles are trying to lose the game, which I'm, I'm fine with, but I wish the NFL would have just allowed the game to play at one o'clock, play it at 11 a.m. I don't care. Just why did it have to be at eight o'clock at a Sunday night game? It makes no sense. We're going to see Jalen Hurst. Heck, we may even see Nate Sudfeld. I doubt it, but you know, it, you're not going to have this offensive line. Matt Pryor is going to get abused by Chase Young. We don't know who the heck is going to play left tackle. I, I, I'm at a loss for words. With, like the Eagles are going to get killed. Like Jalen Hurts literally might get killed with Chase Young and Deron Payne and John Al- Jonathan Allen all coming at him. Um. Yeah, I really <laughs> don't think we need to talk much about like key matchups or, or no, what to look don't. for this week because <laughs> I really I'm I'm really stretched in pain to figure out like what I could say to prepare people for this game because I think it's just gonna be like like the mentality the culture that's been built obviously you're not gonna see like a team tank or a team purposely try and lose because the players don't do that the coaching staff doesn't do that how we would like to see a top five pick but how we would probably get top five picking guy and pick a guy graded in the second round so it doesn't matter where he's picking but oh yeah it's I'm with you on that like how how we I want – it's not going to happen because Sim and Jeff or Jeff Lurie are, are really close, but I don't want Howie makes – I really hope that John Dorsey, like, if he doesn't get a GM spot, which I don't think he will, and the Eagles hire him, I hope he has to say. He, he's a really good talent evaluator. We saw what he did with Cleveland. Like, he drafted good, good talented guys to, to bring in. Um, we saw what he did with the Chiefs. He drafted good, talented guys to bring in. That's why the Chiefs are reigning Super Bowl champs, the best team in, the, in football. The Browns are on the verge of making the playoffs for the first time since, what, 98? Uh, or 2002, something like that. So, I think it's 2002. So, yeah, like, let Dorsey run the draft. If I don't want to hear reports again like we did from last year's where the scout said, take Justin Jefferson and Jeremy Chin, and how he was like, nah, I'll take Rager and uh, Hurts. We're going to outsmart everybody. We're, we're going to build a QB factory. No, I don't want that. I, I want somebody who knows football. I want somebody who who has an eye for talent, who's a football guy, to be making these decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it goes to show that year over year over year, he says, oh, look at me. I'm outsmarted in other teams. And, and I think it's become quite clear now. He didn't outsmart anybody. Mm-hmm. He hasn't outsmarted anyone. So... Now it's time to just get with the program and take best player available. And if the guy's graded a couple couple spots beyond, okay, you can, you can go for that. But if he's graded out by the majority as like a fourth rounder and you're in the second round or whatever, or you, it's a position you have no need at, 
don't don't do that. Don't just don't just be smart about it. You just gotta be smart about it, and especially with a top ten pick, which is something that we're not used to having. Mm-hmm. It's definitely the best player available at a position you absolutely have a need because those are the difference makers. Those are the game changers. You get the fifth year option out of these guys. You cannot miss. You cannot mess up on that pick. If you get it, you go for a Jamar Chase, a Devontae Smith, a Patrick Sertain. If you feel so inclined and we maybe have a new defensive coordinator who's going 3-4 scheme, Micah Parsons. But like I said, as long as Jim Schwartz is in the building, a first-round linebacker and is not going to happen. And and it makes me laugh. Until the day that he is not in the building, I will laugh at the people who mock a linebacker. He was hired before Doug Peterson was hired. Oh, but you know, I don't know if the, the, I also heard reports that he wanted Patrick Queen last year, but again, Howie went in a different direction. So, you know, if it, maybe if it was up to Jim Schwartz, we would have drafted a linebacker in the first round last year, not Jalen Rager. I mean, I would have loved to have Patrick Queen. He he would fit perfectly in the middle of this defense. I, I really just, would have loved to have Jeremy Chin. Yeah, Jer- just imagine that having Jeremy Chin as uh, you know in in the back. We wouldn't have had to bring Jalen Mills back, or Jalen Mills could have played corner, and he could have been um, Shin and McLeod at the safety position. Yeah, hundred percent. Like if the tables are flipped and he listens to his talent evaluators, Justin Jefferson and Jeremy Chin. Although I'm not hundred percent convinced we'd use Justin Jefferson right and properly Agreed. like they are in Minnesota. Agreed. But say you flip the tables and you get those two guys. We are talking about probably a immensely different team. That's how massive two picks are. And instead, we're looking at two guys, one guy who's up for Offensive Rookie of the Year and one guy who's up for Defensive Rookie of the Year on other teams, and we mm-hmm. could have had them. Yeah, it's frustrating because it seems to always happen. I mean, if you you just look at the, the, the last handful of drafts and where the Eagles were probably projected – to pit, again, you can go back to easy one, the DK Metcalf and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Like what DK's done with Seattle and, and how Russell Wilson has and, and the Seattle Seahawks have been able to open up their offense because they have that weapon on the outside. It would be nice. All right, so before we kind of do our, our, our picks of the Eagles, Red, our Washington football team game, which I kind of think – I know where we're both going. I kind of want to look at the Dallas-New York game because that game's going to be played earlier. And that game is big because the winner of that game needs the Eagles to win. It's in it's in Jersey. Um, we, we, Dallas has play, uh, won their last three games, putting up over 30 points a game. Their defense has been forced – over the last three games, their defense has forced, I think, 10 or 11 turnovers, which is most of the NFL over that span. They, 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 they started to get better. I don't know if it's because of the competition they've been playing or whatnot, but they've been playing better down, down the stretch. Joe judge, um, you know, he deserves credit. We all kind of laughed at the giants when they hired Joe judge thinking, Oh, they don't know what to do. But Joe judge seems to be a perfect fit. Uh, he's, he's from the, the Philly area. Um, he, he, pl- he played football in high school at, at lands at Lansdale Catholic and St. Joe's prep. So like he's, he's, he's a Philly guy doing it up in Jersey. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on that game? And, and who do you think is going to come out um, and, and do the Giants have a shot? Because, I mean, Dallas is favored, I think, by three going into that game. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on that game? Well, really, it's a 
two, tale of two teams heading in two opposite directions. But, I mean, when you look at the last three for each team, the Cowboys got Philly, San Fran, and Cincy. They all won. Um, but the Giants had Baltimore, Cleveland, Arizona, which they all lost. Um, and their highest score, the highest score that they've gotten in the last three weeks, also 13 points. <laughs> they are exactly their first period team. So I guess we can't really look at that. But I mean, this is also a team that beat Seattle just four weeks ago, the Giants. But I mean, I the Giants have a good defense. I like the defense, but the offense is excruciating. The offense is painful right now because the offensive line cannot help Daniel Jones to save their life or whoever's in the back. They can't help him to save their lives. Um, so I think the Cowboys are going to get this win, and I really don't. like. That's why I'm I'm hoping that we lose to Washington because I don't want to see the Cowboys get in. I don't exactly. want to see them have the opportunity to go 7-9 and nine and squeeze in, although I think whoever gets in from the NFC side, I know that people say, oh, you never know once you're in. The NFC is a monster. It they is would a get Tampa, monster. They would get Tampa, I'm pretty sure, in the first round. Exactly. So you're probably bound to go in and get crushed, any of us. If it's the Giants, with that offensive line, they're going to get crushed. If it's the only team I think that could have an op- a chance is is Washington, and I don't even know what their quarterback situation what to think because this week we're play. I mean, we didn't even mention that we are playing a third string, their third string quarterback, a guy who didn't even have a job on the roster at the start of the season. Well, Alex so, Smith, they're still they're still it's slim. There's still a chance, but yeah, I get you. It could be but if you have Taylor an opportunity Heineke. to be, if you have an opportunity to be in the playoffs, and all it takes is get past the lowly Eagles who just ruled out like ten starters, I think I'm rolling with the third stringer, and I'm saying if we get him, we need Smith for that game, not this game. Um, but I mean, maybe that's just my mentality. Maybe they think they really need Alex Smith to get in, but then if you do that, you risk him getting you in and not being able to play the next week. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say the Cowboys probably are going to win. It's going to be probably a really messy game, um, because Dallas has a good offense, but the Giants have a good defense. And then flip side of the ball, Dallas has a terrible defense who people are like, oh, are they coming back to life? No, they just played the Philadelphia Eagles. Calm yeah. down. And then the Giants <laughs> offense, it's really bad too. So I think you're going to end up with like a clash of the Titans on one side of the ball. And then another side of the ball that's going to completely ruin the game for each team. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones is back. We, and uh, Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis and Raffield, their receivers are, are healthy. So it will be interesting. I mean, and you know, and, and, and if anything, you know, Jason Garrett, if he has a chance to beat Dallas to keep them out of the playoffs, as they'll be an offensive coordinator for, for the Giants, it, it might, I mean, like he's going to pull out all the stops. So you can see a bunch of trick plays. So it, it definitely will be interesting. I mean, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Giants winning the game. It's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be like a a, a 21-17 type of game because that's kind of the way I see it happening. But it, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I, again, I'm I'm with you though. If Dallas wins, the Eagles should start Greg Ward at quarterback. <laughs> wow, that's what that's what they should start at quarterback. Start Greg Ward. I do you you never Dallas know. You playoffs, never know. So. <laughs> it, it could do the trick. It could do exactly the trick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's going to be met. I think both games are going to be messy and it is truly the, the climax, the epitome of the 2020 NFC East. Yeah. I would not have it any other way. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, speaking of a mess, it's supposed to rain all day in Philly tomorrow on Sunday. So um, yeah, 
That, 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 that'll and be we have no Miles Sanders. That is a Miles Sanders game, and we're going to have Boston it's Scott a Miles and Jordan Sanders Howard. game where, where Doug Peterson won't give him the ball. It'll be a where, Jordan, yeah, Howard. Jordan Howard would, game now. Yeah, it would probably – we'd probably have – if Miles Sanders was in the lineup playing Boston, Scott would get 20 carries, and Miles Sanders would get like 10. It's frustrating. And that's another reason why I – I want to go away from Doug being the play caller. They they need their best offensive weapon is Miles Sanders. Use him. That's all I ask for is just use him. All right. So before we get to our predictions for the Eagles and Washington football team, our our unheralded player of the week for week, what was last week? Week 16 in the NFL as we are heading into the last week. Who you got? I got I got Jeff Wilson oh, he stole with <laughs> San Francisco. I mean, I really just want to say Alvin Kamara, and I know he's not unheralded at all, but that was well, an absolute touchdowns. monstrosity of a game, and then he got COVID. So oh, what a shame. Isn't that crazy? It's just the way it works. It's just the way the season goes, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I'm going with Jeff Wilson. He had a monster. I was at 22 carries for 183 yards, and then he had one reception for 20 yards and a touchdown. But, I mean, we if there's one thing for certain in San Francisco, Shanahan loves his run games. He, he, he has, like, he has all these running backs, so many injuries, and it feels like in that offense, the next man up constantly he uses them he abuses them and they pay dividends every time that's how he always has his new running back lined up he yeah, constantly has that next line run line, uh, running back in line to take the job if somebody gets hurt and and that zone running scheme that the shanahan's use you can put anybody behind that line and and they're going like you mentioned and they're going to produce and that's exactly what jeff wilson has been doing the last couple of weeks yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end, and Jeff Wilson was always pretty good, but you knew he might get stuck by Mostert. And for some reason, Jarek McKinnon, who they continued to keep on roster and try and give every opportunity to. Um, but I mean, that's just impressive, man. You have an offensive line that can run protect like you wouldn't believe it. And you can have so much success. And it's just a shame that they had so many injuries, especially to key, key players this season. Because San Francisco next year is going to be a good team. San Francisco is going to be a good team. They're going to be. I would say they're going to be a good team. And do you think Garoppolo is going to be their quarterback, or they get a new quarterback? I think Garoppolo will be there. I think he'll be there. I think. I think Garoppolo goes back to New England. I mean, you if the opportunity's right, if the pace pays right, but I mean, you got good dollars on Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't see like a lot of people are like, oh, well, he might go there. Why give him back? to a team on a really good contract when all these quarterbacks are about to sign mega deals. You're just putting yourself in a situation where you know you have to set aside like 40 million. By the time they need to re-sign a quarterback, it'll be like $40 million, whether you're Dak Prescott or whether you're Patrick Mahomes, it'll be like $40 million with this new TV contract. Mahomes is already signed for the next 10 years, so you ain't got to worry about him. Well, exactly. But I mean, like, you know, with each passing year... (sighs) It's just going to get worse and where the money's going to be higher and higher. That's why, like, if you can fix, like, back to Philadelphia, if you can fix Carson Wentz, you take 100% advantage of next year's the most that he's paid $34 million, and then it kind of goes down. It's like 31, it's 30, like, it's right in that ballpark. But just remember this when Dak Prescott signs his $35 million plus contract this season, you're going to look back at that Carson Wentz contract and you're going to be like, if we can fix him, 
do we really want to trade him because some team's going to get a super friendly contract because he's got an easy out. You start making money. You can start saving dollars by cutting him at the end of the 2022 season. Like he's owed $31 million, but if you cut him, you can save $6 million. It's actually a positive cap swing for you. So it's a super team friendly contract. So it's like, can you fix him? Because you realize how vitally important it is to have a contract on a or a, a quarterback on a really friendly contract, like a Matt Stafford, like a Jimmy Garoppolo, like a, and I know he's not playing like it, but like a Carson Wentz, if you can fix him. And the thing that I'm going to stand by, and it's not even, it shouldn't even be a hot take, but apparently it is a hot take. If Carson Wentz goes somewhere else, he will 100% succeed, and we will bash it. We will bash the hell out of the trade for years to come. Oh, well, he, of course, 1,000% he's going to succeed, especially if he goes to a, a, a coach-friendly team or somebody that, that could better play around his um, skill set like uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, <clears throat> so my, my unheralded player, since he took mine, and Jeffrey Wilson, I'm going to go Ryan Fitzpatrick. 9 of 13, 182 yards, a touchdown, coming in um, to replace the bench to a Tonga Vailoa. And he won the game against the, Miami, uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders for the Dolphins, which gets <clears throat> improved them to 10 and 5, have a shot to make the playoffs. And then he goes and gets COVID this week. Or test, it's not a laughing matter, but he goes and tests positive for COVID this week. So now it's all up to a, um, you know, after the Ravens, or excuse me, the Raiders settled for a field goal late instead of going in for a touchdown when I think it was Josh Jacobs kind of fell before the goal line. Again, that was kind of that, that Falcons thing uh, where Gurley scored the touchdown and then um, who was, I forget who they were playing, but they went and scored. So it, it's good. Well, first of all, you, you say him, <clears throat> but like, let's just remember, like how the hell did he find someone on that pass? Like, I oh, just, the, that blows my and mind. And it was Mac Hollins. Dude, and if you think about it, Mac Hollins and Nelson Aguilar, two f- former Philadelphia Eagles receivers, were all over the fourth quarter of that game. I, that was the – and Patrick Mahomes even said the best no-look pass of all time. I don't know how the hell that ball stayed in bounds. I don't know how he found somebody. Like, Fitzpatrick, that he had the Fitz magic going last week. Absolutely. I just don't understand, man. <laughs> I just don't get it to pass. That's what got me, man. Because – like so I fell asleep before that game ended and then I turned on the highlights and when they showed that play yeah. when I woke up I was like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah, wow. it, was, it was ridiculous I couldn't believe that he got that ball off and like I, I don't know like he there's something special about Ryan Fitzpatrick like he's not the greatest quarterback and he 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 has these stretches where he's he plays out of his mind but we you know that he's going to have those also those stretches where He's gonna he's gonna play really bad, but when he when he has that magic going, it, it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. The the Fitz magic aspect of it is is truly amazing. It <laughs> honestly is. It honestly it, is. It, it's so true. It, it, it he just has it. He just has a touch. And if you bring him in, like I don't know when he's due for a new contract, but if you bring him in and you want to put him under contract because you want to be a tanking team, that. The Miami Dolphins will vouch for it. if you want to tank. Look he's not elsewhere. the guy. Look yeah, to guy. Taylor Tyler Heineke of the Washington <laughs> Football Team, not Ryan Fitzpatrick, because he will not lose. Uh, or Nick Mullins, like yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. All right. So 
Week 17, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington football team. Eagles, nothing to play for. But, and if you look at their injury report, you can see that that's true. Washington win and they win the division. We don't really care about keys to the game because we kind of know how this is going to play out. The matchups, the Eagles really have nobody playing besides Jalen Hurts on the offensive side of the ball and Jason Kelsey. Um, I mean, you want to see the young guys play and see how they're able to finish out the season. What are your thoughts and your prediction, Connor? This is going to be a tough one because I don't know how much either team is going to score. It's it's the Eagles offense who definitely on paper looks a lot better because we got Jalen Hurts versus Taylor Heineke. But there's just something about that defense of and that especially that defensive front of the Washington football team that makes me say we could see like a 10 sack game like we could like. At this point, like Nate Sudfeld, make sure he's active because he is someone I would be prepared to put in. Because at this point in the season, if you put a Wentz in and he tears his ACL tomorrow, he's out for the majority of the next season. Or if Jalen Hurts goes in and gets a major injury, he's out for the majority of next season. So you don't want to risk any of that. Nate Sudfeld is finally probably off the team next season. So um, I think I'm going to I'm going to go with that. I think it's going to be low scoring, especially with the rain, the effect of the weather. I think we're going to see like 17 to 10 for Washington. And keys to the game, man. I The keys to the game are next man up. What do we have in the next man up? <laughs> Who can make our roster next year and be a very cheap, viable option? I mean, you laugh about it, but it's so true. We're $70 million in the hole next season right now without the cap rollover. So it looks like we're going to be ballpark $40 million in the hole next season. We have a bunch. Jeffrey is out. Deshaun Jackson is out. Those are two gimme guarantees. They're both going to be gone because they save you uh, $13 million each or between the two of them. Um, so, like, find out who the next man up is. Quez Watkins has proven he can be that next man up. Greg Ward's up due for a new contract, but he's proven a viable option. Um, like, I guess just find out who your next man up is. Figure out where you can save dollars this season. It sucks that Richard Rodgers can't play because I would love to see Richard Rodgers play. I, I think Richard Rodgers deserves another contract, and I think a guy like Rodgers and Goddard can be almost as effective as Ertz and Goddard mm -hmm. if you have to move on from Zach Ertz. Rodgers has proven super effective, and I put that tweet out last week, last week as well. Richard Rodgers is likely, barring anything really good by Ertz and really good being like 50 yards, uh, Richard Rodgers will end up with a better season than Zach Ertz with about half the playing time. Despite Ertz's injuries, half the playing time, he's still going to end up statistically better than Zach Ertz. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, I do. I would like to see if, if they were to move on from Ertz, which there are reports that it's possible. Um, you know, a, a Goddard and, and Rodgers, um, you know, the duo, I think that they could work out well. And then you go and draft the young guy, whether it's uh, – you won't get Kyle Pitts because he's going to go in the first round. But, like, the four-stall from Alabama, I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys out there. Um, I don't know if you would get the Penn State guy. I think he might also be, like, a late first, maybe early second round type of guy. So, like, there are guys in the college game that um, – you you you'll be able to to draft and, and kind of um, hopefully get, um, develop to to take over for Rodgers say a year or in a couple of years down the road to back up uh, Goddard. But yeah, you know we the offensive line is going to be of concern for me because we know what the 
<clears throat> excuse me, Washington defensive line is, is capable of doing. We already have Matt Pryor at right tackle, and he is terrible. So Chase Young is lick, licking his chops. Um, Jordan Maialata is not playing, so it could be Brett Toth or yeah, give me help with this Prince. I don't know how to say. Tego and no go. Tego and no go. Maybe we see him play. You never know. Um, so you know. Oh, also one thing we didn't bring touch on. Brandon Brooks being act. I know he's not playing this week, but the fact that he got activated, like they activated his 21 day window, is amazing. That guy is a specimen. He's now, if you saw, freak. if you saw pictures of him, he looks really skinny. I don't know if you play guard right now in the NFL. You got to put some weight on a little bit. But the fact that he is back from an Achilles injury, like before the season ends, is astounding. I really hope that he can find a way to stay healthy next year. Him and Lane Johnson on that right side. If they can, if, if both of them can stay healthy, and and you get Mylotta and maybe Dillard at left guard or something like that, you know, I have. I, I would have no concern with what the, the offensive line can look like next year. Definitely. I mean, the biggest question mark there is, is Kelsey and what does the future yep. look like? Um, and I mean, obviously we could draft some options, but Isaac Samalu, I know we get frustrated with him, but at least we have depth and we have options that can actually maybe step into the role of center while you try and develop one or find your next center. Um, yeah, but Brandon Brooks is a freak. And let, let's remember one, one statement, muscle weighs more than fat. So Brandon Brooks is probably a healthy ass grown man who can definitely play right guard and handle his own in the NFL. Um, and we've seen it before. Brandon Brooks is in good shape. He's physically, he's a physical specimen. And, and um, I think it was Thomas Pedersen posted on Twitter. The average healing time for torn Achilles is about 70 but it was over 70 percent took about 12 months or something along those lines and and most don't never return to normal and brandon brooks is about to return from his second one in less yes. than in about six months for the second straight time um i have no doubts brooks will do incredible when he's back obviously they only activated the window so he could kind of get some practice, practice in before the end of the year and see what happens next year he's not <clears throat> playing this week obviously um, but it's about getting practicing, seeing the field again, and building up your confidence and preparing yourself for for the next offseason programs that start that start in like March or April, whatever, whenever they start, where they have some offseason meetings and programs. So yeah. um, it's just about building that confidence and the fact that he could be back. And I know there's humongous question marks over Lane Johnson because they said they're going to do surgery and they're going to see what the ankle looks like after the fact. They already um, did surgery. Yeah, they already did the surgery, but he said, like, I think when he went down and out, he said, like, we won't know for a while. We got to see what it looks like. But he said, like, it looked like a dog's breakfast. His his ankle was mangled beyond yeah. belief. So, like, I mean, and I was one of those guys who I know everyone was like, well, uh, half of Lane Johnson's better than uh, Matt Pryor. I agree. But did we do too much damage by saying living and dying by the statement? half a lane johnson's better than this guy because yeah. now we might not have a lane maybe johnson. if driscoll if driscoll could have stayed healthy longer we wouldn't have had to keep putting lane johnson out there but my score prediction um i'm gonna go washington winning 24 to 14 um I, and i know that the eagles kind of have a no caps rule this week in terms of you don't want the other team celebrating on your field with division championship hats and, and shirts and whatnot but again i'd rather it be washington than uh New York or, or Dallas. I agree. All right. Well, that our first show 
2021, our first episode of 2021. I, uh, we thank everybody who, who's, who's listened to us um, throughout 2020. I know it wasn't the best season uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles and, and along with all the other things that are going on in the world. But uh, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Happy New Year, everybody.